Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. This is Sean Cleveland with Regeneration X Radio. And I just want to say God bless. And I pray all is well with everyone who's listening today. And that you will receive from the fullness of our Lord as the word goes forth. Amen. So today, I want to talk about pride. And I see a lot of pride in this world. People who are prideful because of their money, their fame, their looks, whatever. And unfortunately, yes, we have pride within a very own body of Christ. We have those who have lifted themselves up and in the process has pushed other people down. And it's something that has always bothered me when I see people who think they're bigger than everyone else and they're better than everyone else. And they, they, they act like they're some kind of demigod reigning over everybody else and pointing out other people's faults and saying how anointed they are or how uh, they're just like God's favorite. And I've encountered many people like that, both within the body and outside. And it's something that has always weighed heavy in my mind. I've encountered a lot of people who uh, put me down in my lifetime. So I, I relate to those who have been uh, victims of people with prideful and nasty attitudes. And it can be rough at times, uh, right with me. You can't see me, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty, pretty big guy. Uh, I can handle myself. But when people are, are coming against you and putting you down and just trying to make themselves look better at your, your expense, you can't do anything. If I hit somebody, I'm definitely going to look bad. I'm definitely going to probably get arrested, too. So it doesn't matter, you know. And some people will say, you know, you can take it, you're a big guy. You know, it's not about being able to take it. It's the fact that who do you think you are to try to elevate yourself by putting me down? Especially when you're supposedly my brother or sister in Christ. And we have a lot of people who have that attitude that they're so superior. And it could be because they're related to, say, the pastor or they have um, a very powerful gift like in music. They're a gifted singer or, or a gifted musician or they have money. They, I, I give offerings and tithes that are huge to the church. So people look up to me. They like They want me to stay in the church because I'm a huge giver. And that makes me better than everybody else. And they go around and treat people any way they they please. And this is something that definitely needs to be confronted. It definitely needs to be stopped. People are being wounded, discouraged, being chased out of the body, literally. People are falling away because of other people with prideful attitudes, mistreating them, talking down to them, 
maybe you're suffering from this. And there's times where you go to the authority, maybe the pastor, associate pastor, a leader in the body, and you speak to them about somebody who is mistreating you, and they pretty much side with the person who's doing wrong to you. And I had a, a friend. I was living uh, in Mexico, and my friend was having an issue with another woman in the church, and this other woman was was definitely doing wrong, wrong uh, in the eyes of the Lord. And there was a biblical principle to show that she was definitely doing wrong and needed to be confronted and receive church discipline. But my friend ran into a problem. This lady that she was having an issue with had um, different businesses, and she was bringing in a lot of money, and she was giving a lot to the church, and she was doing some work for the church. So she was a tremendous help to this, to this local church. And so when my friend went to the leaders to see if they could do something about it, if they would do something about it, they pretty much turned their backs on her. And so she left. But these people get caught up in pride. They use their money, their talent, whatever, to have their way, and they mistreat other people and put them down. And this definitely needs to be addressed. And the one who did address this is our very own Messiah. He knew there were people who were full of themselves. Who, who who trusted in themselves. They weren't really focused on the Lord, but they were all about their own righteousness. And we all know our, our own righteousness is like filthy rags. But still, there were people who were caught up in their own selves. And so our, our Lord and Savior addressed this. If you're following along, we turn to Luke chapter 18. I'm going to start reading at verse 9. And it reads, also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his, beat his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you this. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. 
So you have one of the religious leaders of the time, a Pharisee, and you have probably one of the most hated people in the community, a tax collector, which hasn't changed that much. <laughs> We're not big fans of the IRS. But um, so this Pharisee and this tax collector are at the temple praying, and the Pharisee is being very boastful, and he's talking about how, you know, all the great he does and how he is just so much better than other men and, you know, the extortioners, unjust, adulterers. And then he sees the tax collector and says, and, uh, you know, I'm glad I'm not like this guy, this tax collector standing over there. And so now he's talking to the Lord about, about how righteous he is and how better he is than other people. He's saying this to the Lord. And so the tax, the tax collector is praying, but he won't even lift up his eyes. He is so humble before the Lord because he knows he's a sinner. And he still comes to the Lord. He came looking for mercy from the king of kings. He came humbled, crying out to the Lord for mercy bowed down, humbled before the glory of our Father. And I see this a lot. Humble people, maybe they're struggling in their finances. They don't make a lot of money and they got a family to feed and bills to pay and it's hard. They're struggling in their walk and they're trying their best to live out their faith. And other people will look at them and say, just look at him. I'm glad I'm not like him. Because everything's doing good for me. I got a great job. I got a big house. Kids are doing well. Got credit cards. Got food in the refrigerator. I'm just doing so good because God's blessing me because I'm so great. I'm so righteous, and I'm just uh, just the best there is. There are people with that type of attitude, just like the Pharisee. Instead of looking into the word of the Lord and seeing himself and seeing where he may be flawed and where he needs uh, the, the grace and mercy of our Lord, he, all he does is stand before the Lord and boast about himself. How can you stand before our Lord and boast about you? How can you boast in the face of the God of all creation? Coming to the Lord should be a humbling experience for us all because of who he is, his power, his greatness, his glory should humble us because there's nothing that we can possess on this earth as mere mortals that would even be, begin to compare with the glory of our Father. Yet this Pharisee stood there, very arrogant, telling the Lord how great he was. But you have this tax collector who I said probably was greatly hated because of his job. And he came humble, broken before the Lord, knowing that he was a sinner and knowing that he needed the Lord in his life. He did not, did not boast. He did not brag. 
He did not lift up himself, but he called out for mercy to the one who could give him mercy and did not even raise his eyes because he was just so humble for the presence of our Lord. And recently I was talking to a brother of mine and uh, we were talking about some other brothers that we knew in the body and they were younger guys than us and they were talented they were known in the church and the people of our congregation would continually heap praise upon them they were musicians and people would always tell them how great they were and they should do uh, CDs, make music CDs, and some were saying they were going to go on American Idol, and they would uh, do whatever they wanted, basically, that the run of the of the church, it seemed like, and they would get up there and, and sing and play instruments, and then when it was time for the preaching of the word, most of the time they would leave the sanctuary and they would be out in the hallways, uh, joking around, having fun, not interested really that much in the word that was being preached. And they were the cool kids. And I noticed that they got favored by people in the church and leadership. They would only hang out with that group, that favorite group. They didn't hang with the other youth that weren't seen as having any talent or who weren't, you know, praised by the church. Kind of like the outcast type kids, you might say. And it really broke my heart that most of these young people, even now, no longer serve the Lord. And I'm talking about the cool kids. They got a little bit older, things happened, falling into sin. They unfortunately were misguided. And when things didn't go their way, they decided to abandon the gospel. There are some of them that are not serving the Lord today, and I pray that they will return to the Father's kingdom. But all that praise, especially at a young age, can really mislead people. Then they look back at the ones that they put down who are still serving the Lord and preaching the gospel and doing good. The ones that were ignored, the ones that were put down and done well. And it's not a time to laugh at the ones who have fallen, but it's a time to call them back and understand that we cannot heap all this praise and glory and and, and boasting upon people and put them on a pedestal because it's so dangerous. And then they get caught up in pride. And I believe it's in Proverbs where it says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall, arrogant spirit 
So these young people became very prideful and arrogant, and they fell. And we're just as much to blame when we fill their heads full of praise and glory and just tell them how great they are and just cheer for them like they're at a rock concert or something. And it starts to feed into their egos and before you know it, they're committing sin. They're falling away from the Lord and then they become lost. We must be a humble people, not a prideful people. At the end of that scripture I read, the Messiah said, those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So those caught up in pride will be brought down, and those who are humble, the Lord will rise up. And it's paramount that we as the kingdom of God, his people, his bride, his church, that we be humble and that we be as a tax collector and come in humility before the Lord looking for his mercy, looking for who he is, looking for that relationship with him, not coming as the Pharisee, being prideful and arrogant. For in our humility, we will see the Lord move on our behalf. Even when times are hard and it looks like we will not make it, the Lord will move on our behalf. Maybe not when we want him to, because he will use even adversity to grow us. But if we remain humble, he will move on our behalf. King Solomon was a very wise king, and he had two encounters in the, with the Lord. In the second encounter, he had uh, built the temple, the dwelling place for the Lord, and we know now his people are his dwelling places, not a building made by the hands of men, but it's his people. We are his, his bride, and we are his building where his presence dwells. And the Lord spoke to Solomon at this time after he had built him a house and the Lord said in Second Chronicles chapter 7 I'm going to start reading it in verse 13 the Lord said when I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people if my people or called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So the Lord is there for those who are humble. And when you read this passage, I'm going to break it down a little bit more. When it says, if my people, obviously those who are um, his kingdom, his ecclesia, who are called by my name, 
called by his name, those who who find their identity in him, who are his children, will humble themselves right there. We have to humble ourselves. We have to come with a um, broken spirit towards the Lord that we're not full of pride and arrogance. And being humble isn't like, oh, oh, I'm just so so useless. I'm no good. Uh, I'm no, that's not humility. That's putting yourself down. Humility is coming in that spirit of knowing that you are in need of the Lord's power and that he's above all and that you are above no one and you are submitted to his glory. So we submit ourselves to him and his lordship and pray and seek my face. Prayer, we come in and we have dialogue with him in relationship and seek, his, and seek my face, he says. That literally means when he says seek my face, it means to desire my character. If we desire his character to be as like he is in character, which we do receive in, with the baptism of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is his very character, his nature. And by the being baptized in his Spirit, we can have his character of holiness, righteousness, by his Spirit, not of our own power, but by his Spirit, and turn from their wicked ways. That's self-explanatory. Lay the sin down. Lay down the pride, the arrogance, the adultery, the the sexual immorality, the lying, all of it, lay it down. Because then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. When when we come in humility and do all these things, he will hear us, he will forgive us, and he will bring healing to the land. And as I look upon the landscape of the nations now, from the United States all the way to Israel, to all the nations beyond, we are in dire need of healing and definitely in dire need of forgiveness. There's so much going on. All the politics, personally, this is my opinion. I really don't get involved in the politics because I know this. It doesn't matter who's going to be president or king or 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 a dictator or a general or prime minister, we all, as his children, or part of his kingdom, should know that we are seeing the forming, or we are actually seeing the formed world government that the Antichrist will rule over. Things are being set in place and things are already in place for the rise of the Antichrist. These world leaders are under the influence of the spirit of Antichrist. So I don't argue about who's better president, President Obama or President Trump. I know that there's a front man. There's a spirit that has been at work. There's a government that has been established throughout the world, a one-world government. They're establishing a one-world uh, currency. They're establishing a one-world religion. And this is all for the prepping of the Antichrist. And his spirit has already been at work in the earth, the scriptures tell us. So it's useless for us to argue with each other. And Paul taught Timothy in 2 Timothy that arguing just leads to more ungodliness 
And he also told him that a minister of the gospel should not be quarrelsome. So if you call yourself a child of God, a minister of the gospel, I'm not talking about you're a pastor and you get a doctorate. If you're his child, you're a minister of his gospel. You're supposed to be ministering to someone. If you are his minister, you should not be quarreling. You should not be trying to win fights and arguments. That is not what we're called to do. We're called to plant the gospel message in the hearts and lives of men and allow the Lord then to work it out with them because we are not their savior. Stop arguing. It leads to ungodliness. When you argue, you're being very ungodly when you argue about these trivial things. Focus on the main thing. Lay your pride down, and that's why we argue, because we're prideful. And we want to win an argument and show everybody how much scripture we know and how much we know more than this person does or how righteous we are. You're just a sinner. You're going to go to hell. I know the Lord, and I know all the scripture. Ooh, I got a Bible. I go to church every Sunday. I'm so much better than you. I'm full of pride, and I'm putting you down. That has to stop, and we have to focus on what the Lord tells them to focus on, and that is the preaching of the gospel so that others may come to know him. Not the preaching of the gospel so we can win an argument. Not that we can pick our favorite political party and, and, and pick our favorite leader. We have a king. I'm not concerned about a president. I'll pray for the president. I do pray for our president and for the world leaders and for leaders in our community, in our churches, our schools, our local governments. We should be praying for our leaders, not putting them down, but we should not be also exalting them to the point that we are ignoring what is happening in our, in our presence, in our sight, and we should be seeing and understanding the signs of the times. But our pride has gotten in our way. I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I don't vote along party lines. What I'm saying is pride is killing us. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. We need to humble ourselves before each other and work to come together and work to see souls brought into the kingdom. I may have shared this before, but there was a man I met. I went to get uh, my hair cut at my, my brother, Carlos Velez. He's a barber and a child of God. They were friends, and I went to go get, get my hair cut. Uh, so it's been over a year, easy, probably about two years. And I went in there, and there's a, this gentleman in there. And Carlos and I were talking about, you know, how we were doing and um, how I walked with the Lord. And this guy started, tried to start an argue, argument with me saying that the the, the original King James Version is, is the is God's Bible. God wrote that. That's the original Bible. Now, come on, people. Scripture, the Torah, scrolls, uh, the writings of the, of the uh, prophets, and been around, been around them like <laughs> thousands of years before they even came up with what was called the Bible. So definitely not the original work of the Lord. And <laughs> but he said, you don't read the original King James Version, you're not going to heaven, and you don't know the Lord. He didn't know any scripture, but he just knew that he, he owned the original King James Bible, 
and he wouldn't let me speak. Every time I would start to say something, he would start yelling real loud to drown me out. So I didn't argue with him, and I just let it go. But it really broke my heart to see that display, and that's got to stop that prideful, arrogant attitude. Check yourself. Humble yourself. Because if you exalt yourself, the Lord will humble you. But if you humble yourself, the Lord will exalt you. No more pride in the body. Amen. Well, this has been Sean Cleveland with Regeneration X. Always a pleasure spending time with you. And always, if you'd like to contact me, you can find me on Facebook, Sean Cleveland, or email me at regenerate07 at yahoo.com. May the Lord bless you richly. And may you walk in his glory forever and ever. Much love.